What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way that it's blessed our house this past Sunday. All right, well, I have the privilege of introducing our speaker, a credible communicator, credible leader. He pastors Destiny Church in Coachella Valley, multiple locations in Southern California. And um, I am just blown away just that uh, he has opened up his weekend to us and that he would be a friend to us here. We met him last weekend or last year at a, at a conference in Southern California. We brought our team and he is just, just open doors just quickly. And I'm like, bro, you barely know us. And, but you could just tell when you meet someone that's the real deal. And I am just honored to have this. He's a father, I believe, for this generation. Even this weekend, it's his anniversary weekend and he's here with us. I'm like, are you sure, bro? Like, we're not that cool. And he's got to be here because I believe he's on mission and he's on assignment. So here's the deal, because I'm the leader of this house, so I got to tell you what's up. Take your phones out to take notes. Take your Bibles out. Get ready to take notes. Lean in. Don't be texting. Don't be on TikTok. Don't be on Instagram. And I believe that God has something to share with you, and God has something to deposit. So do me a favor. Stand your feet all in the room, and let's welcome up Pastor Obed Martinez as he gives the word this evening. Come on. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap offering. Can we give Jesus the biggest round of applause right now? Amen. Amen. Well, you can take, take a seat for just a, a few minutes, and I'm going to have you stand back up, reading God's, for reading God's word, and so honored to be here with you guys today, and as uh, Pastor Chris mentioned, it's my 22nd anniversary today. Been married to the love of my life, and uh, we met actually in youth group, and, um, and so I've uh, been high school college, sweethearts, been dating, married for 22 years, dating for 30, and I'm still dating her, amen, somebody, right, and so, but no, it's, uh, it is a privilege to be here, and um, before I get started, I want to honor the man of God of this house, what a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal pastor you guys have here, don't ever, ever, ever take them for granted. Y'all, come on, can we honor your pastor? Pastor Chris, we honor you. Love you, man. Honor you. And what, what, a, what, a, what a new generation leader God's emerging him to be. And he'll be a voice to the nations very soon. God's just uh, grooming him here. And eventually what God's doing here at Thrive is gonna go, it's gonna touch the four corners of this world. I truly believe that with all my heart. And, and, uh, but I really feel in my spirit that I'm here for an assignment, and that is that God wants to do something in this generation I believe that he's never done in any other generation. And that is that you are facing giants in the land today like no other generation has faced. And oftentimes what happens is, is that the revealer of your opposition only in some sense illuminates the blessing that's on the other side. And so I really believe that you're not fighting just to fight but there is a great harvest that you're actually fighting for that you don't even realize you're actually fighting for it. And so God wants to do something in you before he releases you for you to go out and do something for somebody else. So can you stand to your feet as we open up God's word and open up your Bibles if you can to Genesis chapter 11. 
the book of Genesis chapter 11. It's a very familiar story and a lot of people miss Genesis and what takes place in Genesis 11 because most pastors will start in Genesis 12 and, and talking about Abraham and the blessing that and the promise and the covenant that God would give Abraham. But really, something significantly happens in Genesis 11 for you to get a real understanding of what Genesis 12 is all about. So in Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 27, it says this. It says, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahar, and, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and the wife of his son Abram, and, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to, to Canaan, also known as the Promised Land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. I want to focus on this verse. They settled there, and Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. I want to speak to you a message I've entitled, When Your Pain Becomes Your Prison. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of revelation and give our minds illumination that we would experience transformation. God, I pray you give us a mind to perceive and a heart to receive all that you have. And I ask that after this message, we will never be the same. In Jesus' name, come on, and all the young people that came to the first night of conference say, amen, amen. Well, before you're seated, before you're seated, give someone a high five and say, you wish you looked as good as me. You wish you looked as good as me. You can be seated. I really believe, I really believe that God had intended for Abraham's father to become the person in which God would make covenant with. But something happens to Terah when his youngest son dies suddenly. The Bible gives us no account on how he died, except we know this, and that is that no father should ever have to bury his son. Matter of fact, it should be the other way, and, and it should be the fact that as a son, you have to bury your father. And yet something significantly happened to Terah in this moment of his life that his son dies and immediately what he does is he gathers Abram and, and his wife Sarah and, and he tells them, hey, we're gonna leave this place and we're gonna head over to Canaan. And I really believe that God had it in mind that, that, that they, would, they, would, they would go from here to there. Because one thing you gotta realize about God is that God always has a there while you're still here. And the thing is, is that what you gotta realize about God is that in your mind, 
Your mind always begins here while God is taking you there. But God's mind, Isaiah 46, 10, he declares everything from the end to the beginning. God always begins in your there and he meets you right over here. And so this is what you got to realize. And that is that from your place of purpose and to your place of promise, the fight is always going to be in the middle and that's called your pain. Because the truth is, is that most people will never get to their promise even after they started to chase after their purpose because they can never get past their place of pain. See, the enemy understands that he has no control over your, your purpose and he has no control over your promise. So where he fights you is in your pain. And so Tara had it in mind being here the purpose that God was gonna lead him to the promise, which was Canaan, but yet something happened. And the Bible says that he set out and never made it. And so while Terah was, was here and he was broken, gathers his family, he set out in his mind that I'm gonna go to Canaan, I'm gonna go to this land that's flowing with milk and honey, and I'm gonna take my family there. And as Terah was going from here to there, the Bible says that he landed up stopping in a city called Haran. And the scripture tells us that he never made it to Canaan. He actually died in Haran. The interesting thing about it is the fact that the city in which his life got stuck and he landed up dying in is the same name of his son who died. Listen to me. The reality is, is that the purpose of pain in your life, even though it may never be your fault and maybe it, was, maybe it, was, it, was, it wasn't the fact that you set out for that to happen, but, but the pain in your life could often be the place in which your life lands up getting stuck in. Most people can't get past their pain, so therefore they never fulfill the promise that God has for their life. You see, Psalm 73 says this, then I realized that my heart was bitter and it was all torn up inside. You see, Tara's heart was broken. It was beaten, it was bitter. And when you have this heart, you'll have untreated pain. I'm gonna tell you what's inside this room tonight. There is some untreated pain. And if you're not careful, you will, you will live with purpose, but you'll never get to your promise because you got stuck in your pain. Not only is there untreated pain, but but in this room, there's some unresolved yesterdays. It's amazing because when you talk to people, you can tell where their life is. If they're over their pain, they speak about their future. If they're still dealing with their pain, they can only talk to you about their past. You see, people who have unresolved yesterdays can never get to their purpose of their tomorrows. 
And the reason why is because your life may be going forward, but your eyes are still in your place of pain. See, here's the interesting thing about, about God is that if God is here and he's also there, God can be in your present and he can be in your tomorrow at the same time. But see, the devil can't. The Bible says that the devil is a fallen angel. He ain't, no, he ain't, he ain't a devil with horns. He's a fallen angel. And God only allows angels to see to the horizon, which means an angel can never see into your tomorrow. The devil being a fallen angel can only see to your horizon. He can never see into your tomorrow. And this is why he can never speak about your tomorrow. And if he can't speak about your tomorrow, what is he always trying to bring up? He's always trying to bring up, come on somebody, your past. Come on, am I talking? I'm just warming up right now. Can I just warm, can I preach like I'm at home right now? And so people who have unresolved yesterdays never fulfill the purpose of their tomorrows. And the reason why is because they're no longer walking with clarity, they're walking with clutter. And so all of a sudden it begins with untreated pain. That untreated, untreated pain leads to an unresolved yesterdays, which watch this, now it produces an unhealthy view of yourself. This is when you stop seeing yourself the way God sees you and you start seeing yourself like everybody else sees you. And so when you can't amount up to everybody else's expectations, what happens is now is that you begin to live a life that you thought you would never live before. Most young people today are living for likes. You're just happy if you get a bunch of friends that just like, 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 like. The same people that like, like, like are probably the same people that talk about you. Man, you, 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 you'll post something in two minutes, you'll go back, see who liked it, who liked it. And you don't realize that you are having some untreated pain with unresolved yesterdays, which now gives you an unhealthy view of yourself. God created you an original. There's nobody else like you. And the reason why God created you as original because he knew you would have the temptation to compare yourself with somebody else. And comparison is the thief of opportunity. And so the reason why most of you never, never achieve opportunity is because you're still trying to compare yourself to somebody else in which you'll never amount to be somebody else because you were never meant to be somebody. You were meant to be who you are today. And so the fight, so the fight for your life is the same fight that everybody goes with. Because the enemy understands that when God created you, he only created you in his image and likeness. God didn't create nothing else like that, but he created you in his image and likeness. When God created a tree, it was a tree, and it could only be a tree, and it could be nothing but a tree. When God created cows, as I've seen so many cows driving here, as, as God created cows, cows can be cows, and they could be nothing else but a cow. A cow will never compare himself to a, to, to, to a lamb or to a dog, because at the end of the day, a cow is a cow. It's the way God created them.
But when God created man, he never created man as a substance. He created man as a shadow, as an image. Which means that in order for you to get a view of yourself, you would have to reflect something. And this is why the first attack of the enemy in the Bible was identity. The first attack of Jesus in the wilderness was identity. And this is why the devil is always trying to fight you for your identity. Because he understands that your identity is attached to your dominion. You won't have dominion if you have the wrong identity. And this is why depression is an identity. Oppression is an identity. And this is why you take on reflections of things. This is why a drug addict looks like they've had drugs. An alcoholic looks like he has, he's been drinking some alcohol. Why? Because your life was created as a reflection. You actually look like what your life is reflecting. And so the reality is, is that we got a generation that hops around in church and says, I love Jesus, but they're still reflecting the wrong things. Because you have untreated pain, you got unresolved yesterday, you got an unhealthy view of yourself, and here's what it boils down to. You have unrepented sin. And so here's what the enemy understands. He understands that, you know what? I understand I can't defeat you. I get that. But what I'll do is I'll pour on so much on your life to reflect that you will carry everything but your cross. And all you will do is drag around your baggage everywhere you go. And when you're driving around your baggage everywhere you go by taking on so many identities and so many reflections, is that he understands I can't defeat you, so what he does, he tires you out. And he wears you down. And this is why by the end of the night, you're, like, you're watching things you shouldn't be watching. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. And you're not doing that in the morning, and you're not doing that in the afternoon because you still have some strength, but you do it at night because you're tired. And so he gets it, he understands. He waits to when you're all by yourself at night. Because the devil works at best in isolation. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was they went into isolation. Because the enemy will always drive you to isolation because he wants to be the loudest voice with no interruption and nobody else talking to you. So this is why young people love going in the room and shutting the door. It's why if you're my daughter or my son, you don't shut your door. If you ain't paying rent, you don't have the privilege to shut your door. But here's what we have. We have a generation today. We have a generation today that's just, that's just going around carrying a bunch of baggage. See, the word baggage means, it means a stronghold. It actually means a prisoner of deception. Here's what you gotta realize, that the purpose of deception is destruction. And so the enemy knows that if he can get you to reflect something you're never to be, you will deceive yourself. And what happened is, is that deception would lead you to destruction. 
Because you're going to learn the enemy has never put nothing to your head. Where you're at today has been your choice. And so you're carrying all this baggage full of deception, being deceived in some degree, because here's, here's what it boils down to, is that most young people have confused themselves with their imagined self rather than their self-image. Let me rewind that again. Most young people today are living deceived by their imagined self and their self-image. In other words, who you are on TikTok is not who you really are. That's your imagined self rather than your self-image. Come on, you ain't walking around your house, ladies, doing this. You ain't walking around your house with, the, with your phone and, and taking all these pictures and putting your lips way out there and, and, and putting your shirt down a little bit and all that kind of... That's your imagined self. That's not your self-image. And so you're living deceptively. And this is why nobody understands you. And the reason why nobody understands you is because you don't even understand yourself. Come on, can I preach like you, my young people? So you're mad that nobody gets you. But you don't even get yourself. Because confusion to others is just the result that you're confused about yourself. Because if we start in some degree getting down to where God wants to go, then what's the point of us walking around with all this baggage with my imagined self and not living out in my self-image? And so what God wants to do in this conference is he wants to, he wants to open you up because that's where your purpose is. That's where your heart is. And all of a sudden, most of us get afraid when God opens us up because then all of a sudden it will cause me to deal with the stuff I've been burying. Which means that God now is going to sit there and say, hey, come on, let's deal with that lust. Because you, you, you have lustful eyes. Nobody may not know what you're doing at night, but God does. And you've been carrying that baggage because that lust, listen, that lust will eventually lead you to carry shame. And now all of a sudden, you're down every day, not because you're a down person, it's because you have the wrong reflection. You're reflecting shame, you're walking around in guilt but you cover it up in your imagined self. And so it all begins with, with lust, right? Because that's what it always does. And then it goes to shame. And this is why when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was pick up fig leaves and cover themselves. Why? Because every time you lose your covering, you always settle for a cover-up. 
And this is why one day Jesus is walking by a fig tree and he curses it. And the reason why, because it bore no fruit. As long as you're covered in your shame, you'll never bear no fruit. It all began with lust. You cover yourself with shame. And the next thing you know, you're driven by guilt. And so now you are positioned to be manipulated. So next thing you know, some guy comes to you and says, baby, you look so good. You look so fine. You're like, oh, okay. And they're like, you're so pretty. Oh, my God. And they're telling you things that you've been wanting to hear that's missing in your life. And next thing you know, you're being driven by guilt. Because when you don't want to cross the moral boundary, and yet all of a sudden they start telling you things like, hey, you took me down this path. It was you that caused me to start thinking the way I'm thinking and maybe the things we should be doing and they guilt you into crossing your moral boundary is because at the end of the day, you lost your self-image. And when you lose your self-image, you lose your worth. When you lose your worth, you lose your value. Starts with lust, covered with shame and guilt, leads to manipulation. Then next thing you know, you're like, man, I never wanted to start drinking. Why am I drinking? I don't even like to drink. You weren't created to drink, but you're drinking. Because at the end of the day, you're living a reflection you were never meant to live. And then next thing you know, you start dealing with depression. I mean, you're 15 years old. What are you depressed about? Well, Pastor Obey, you understand, man. I'm going through all kinds of stuff, man. I'm just depressed. No, you're not depressed. You're just unhappy. And you're not just unhappy. You're unhappy with yourself. Because you are not meeting up to the expectations that you've compared yourself to to other people. So you're just living this life that you shouldn't be living. And you're putting too much pressure on yourself that you shouldn't have. Because you shouldn't live for the approval of others. But you're depressed. Go in your room, shut the door, put the lights out. And then all of a sudden, you're lonely. Calls you up. He gets you excited. And then he tells you, like, what are you wearing? Send me a picture. And then next thing you know, you find yourself sexting. You're leading each other on. You're being driven by lust. Oh, I'm going to go there. Because we're going to dig tonight. And you land up leading somebody on. And then you find yourself cornered. Because for the first time, you can't run to somebody to help you. Because you're the one that drove you to this place. And so when you can't run to mom and you can't run to youth pastor and you can't run to church and you can't run, so what do you do? You land up following through with it and next thing you know, you end up broken because that's exactly what God, what the enemy wants. He doesn't mind your purpose. He doesn't mind God giving you all these promises. He just wants to get you stuck in pain. And so all of a sudden, man, you're living this life of pain. And if you're not careful, you'll start doing things you said you would never do. Because that's what happened to me. My father, at the age of 12, 
I'm at a mall with my friends. I'm an athlete, three-sport athlete. We're in the mall. I'm going up the escalator with my friends. We're laughing. And all of a sudden, my friend taps me. He says, man, isn't that your dad? My dad's coming down the escalator in the mall with his hand, arm wrapped around another woman. All of my friends are like, dang, your dad's a player. And it wounded something inside of me. And that moment triggered some pain. Started to lose respect for my dad. And then one day my dad comes home and tells me, I'm leaving. You're the oldest boy. I need you to be the man of the house. I was still playing with my G.I. Joes. See, I was never given the choice to be a kid. Because immediately I had to become an adult. And at 12 years old, I had to start doing something to help my mom. So in my neighborhood, they would give kids walkie-talkies. And they would just say, hey, if you see the police, just tell us on the walkie-talkie. We'll give you $20 a day. And that $20 started to turn into $40. That $40 started to turn, turn into $100. I find myself at the age of 16 hooked on drugs. I was an athlete. I was never meant to be on drugs. It's not like I grew up every, it's not like when growing up, I was like, man, one day I'm going to be a great drug addict. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be an all-American drug addict. That's what I'm going to be. No, I did what everybody else did. When you find yourself on the streets at four o'clock in the morning hustling, breaking windows, trying to get something, and all of a sudden you're sitting on a park bench and you ask yourself, how did I get here? And that then turned to this. Because I was hurting, I'll just start hurting myself. And when I couldn't feel the rage that was in me, I would force myself to feel it. So I would try to find something sharp and I would puncture my skin so I could feel the rage that's inside of me. Nobody was beating me up and nobody was stabbing me and no one was cutting me. I was doing it. Because I woke up every morning saying, hey, I'm going to cut myself. No, I woke up every morning. I couldn't figure out the rage and the pain that was inside of me. And so because I could not articulate it, let me just feel it. And the sensation came by the feeling. I found myself one day get caught up in a DEA drug raid. I spend time in jail. While I was in there, 
They had to put me in solitary and confinement because I kept on telling the CEO, I'm going to kill myself. Because when you're standing between purpose and you can't get to your promise because all you are is stuck in your pain, then you start questioning, why am I even alive? Why should I live? And then you start telling yourself, nobody deserves this pain. Nobody deserves this feeling that I'm going through. I wasn't the one that messed my family up. I wasn't the one that had my arms wrapped around another woman. But I became the victim of it. I was given something to deal with that I didn't deserve. And so that just led me to, I don't want really people to know who I am. I, I really don't want people to figure me out. So I can be over here someone differently than I am over here. You do the same thing. Because I would probably guess that most of you all have spam accounts. Where, where, where your parents know what your Instagram is, but you just post all your Jesus stuff. But they don't know your other accounts you have. And that's when you're putting the booty shake and, and the lips and... And, and, and all of a sudden you do the TikTok dances and twerking and everything like that? Why would you have this? It's simple. You're living for other people. And so you have to be somebody else to a certain group because you're too afraid to be yourself. Because all you're looking for is likes. And all you're looking for is acceptance. And all you're looking for is approval. And anytime you're living for acceptance and approval, it's the sign that you're living without affirmation. Well, of course I'm not getting it from home. So I gotta find it somewhere. And so all of a sudden, you start dealing with anxiety. It's all in your luggage. I mean, I mean, this is what you're carrying around. This is what's tiring you out. You're living more lives than cats. Because the truth is, you don't know how to be yourself. And I don't know how to be myself, Pastor, because I'm so internally filled with rage. I didn't, I didn't bring this upon my life. I wasn't the one that started it just the one that continued it. And that can lead to eating disorders. 
that can lead to vaping. And all of a sudden now your body and your life is consuming things it was never meant to. So what do I have to do? How do I, how do I break out of the prison of pain? Well, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta reveal the hurt. You have to reveal it. You have to open up your heart. And you gotta say, God, this has been in my life and I haven't known how to handle it. And so I've handled it the wrong way. But if you don't allow God to open up your heart, how is he ever gonna deliver you from this stuff right here? And hear me. You spend a lot of time hiding it from everybody else. But tonight, you don't need to hide it. Tonight, you need to open up. And tonight, you need to finally say, today, Jesus, you're going to set me free. And I'm never, no longer going to deal with this stuff again. Never. So the first thing I got to do, watch this. The first thing I got to do is I got to reveal the hurt. The second thing is I got to release the people involved. Who hurts you? Who said they'll be there for you and then walked out on you? Who overpromised and underdelivered? Why is it that you're only 16 and you don't you can't trust anybody? You need to get real tonight as I close. Who is it that you need to release today? Maybe it's that person that said they'll be there for you. And they're no longer part of your life. Maybe it's that guy that took your virginity. Or that girl. And then shamed you and left you behind. Who do you need to release today? Because friends, listen, you don't have the power to change them, but you do have the power to change yourself. That's what you have. You gotta, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. You got to bury the pain and you got to stop giving yourself permission to use those same excuses. Friends, listen. You can live your whole life with all these excuses or you can sit here tonight and say, you know what? No, no, no. Tonight is my night. I'm done. I don't want to live like this ever again. I want to live with an open heart and an open spirit, leaning towards the things of God because I understand that God has an other side and the blessing is waiting for me. I know it. So I need to reveal the hurt. Let me get some holy music on the keyboard. Let me get some reveal the hurt. I need to release the people involved and watch this. Number three, 
as I close. You need to reclaim God's plan for your life. You need to reclaim God's plan for your life. See, here's what I've learned. And that is that you will either spend your life building it or rebuilding it. You're either gonna spend, if you're living with this, you're gonna spend your entire life rebuilding it. But if you live like this, you're gonna spend your life building it. This wears you out. This will give you a long and satisfying life. This right here, it'll take you down all kinds of paths. But this here has one course in mind. I'm headed to the promised land that God has for me. That's where I'm headed. See, when you live a life of deception, it's easy to fall for it. I love what John 16, verse 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. Then he will tell you what is yet to come. I believe the biggest battle in this generation it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not anxiety, it's not depression. Those are all the symptoms. I'm gonna tell you what the biggest fight today is. It's the fight for truth. What you're fighting today is the fight of truth. Because here's, here's the bottom line. Has anybody even told you what truth is? Maybe they just said, well, truth is God. No, let me tell you what truth is. Truth is not subjective. It is not a consensual cultural construct. And, and it is not an invalid, outdated, irrelevant concept. Truth is the self-expression of God. Truth is thus theological, meaning spirit, and it's biological, meaning Jesus. They can't change. So truth, truth is thus theological and biological, but it's not theoretical. You've been living from a truth that's theoretical. This is what the world's trying to teach what truth is. They're trying to teach you that truth is theoretical. So in other words, I can believe whatever I can believe because it's truth. But truth isn't a fact. Truth isn't absolute. That's what truth is. And in order, and in order to have truth, you have to, Truth cannot change. That's the difference between truth and facts. Facts change. Truth never changes. 
This is why Jesus stood up one day and he says, I am the way. I am the what? He never said, I am the facts. Because if he would have said, I am the facts, it would have given him permission to change. Therefore, it would have made him irrelevant to be truth. You can't call a male a female and a female a male. It could be a fact, but it can't be the truth. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go there. Come on, I'm going to go there. Come on, I'm going to go there. I feel like a father tonight. I'm going to go there. Because this is what this world's trying to tell you. They're giving you theoreticals, but they're not giving you theological. I'm telling you, this is the truth right here. And I'm going to stand on the Word of God because it never changes. Never, never changes. So watch this. Sit down real quick. So I got one more minute. Watch this. You get mad when someone tells you the truth. Which means you are living more theoretical than theological. Which now tells me that you give permission for yourself to tell others what the truth is. When the reality is, that's invalid. Because your life isn't perfect. In perfection, there's no room for facts. You're human. You can get better, but you can't be the best. The difference between best and better is that better still has margin to improve. Best, it is the absolute. It's why God is the best, and we every day are just trying to get better. All of that will lead you to this. You're not full of rage. You're not full of depression. You're not full of oppression. You're not full of anxiety. That's theoretical. That's what they want to tell you. But what this says about you is that you're a child of God. You're favored of the Lord. Come on, you're blessed going in and blessed coming out. Come on, you're walking in the goodness of God. Listen, your earthly dad may have walked out on you, but your heavenly father still calls you his apple of his eyes. That's theological right there. But of course, I can't live theological, pastor. Because that would require for me to live in my self-image. Not, not in my imagined self. Your imagined self convinces you that you have problems. Your self-image tells you you have a promise. Your imagined self tells you that you'll never get past this. Your self-image will tell you you're more than a your imagined self, it'll tell you things never get better. Your self-image will tell you he works all things for the good. 
to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But you're not just dealing with people. You're dealing with the devil. I'm going to tell you something about the devil. He's so smart that he knows you. And I'm telling you, he studies you. And I'll prove it. See, if the devil came to you and said, hey, Monica, it's okay to stay hurt. You deserve to be angry at them. They did you wrong. Oh, don't turn your cheek. No, stay angry. Oh, and Monica, as that rage, that anger turns into rage, it's okay to, to like that guy. Even though you know there's something wrong there, it's okay. Oh, and then by the way, you can, you can hook up with him. It's okay, because everyone does that. Oh, and by the way, after you guys hook up, you're probably going to land up getting pregnant. And when you get pregnant, you're probably going to have to delay some of your dreams. And then you're going to get so angry at everybody else that you're never going to trust another guy for a long time. So guess what? You're going to start drinking. Then after you start drinking because you're going out partying while you're leaving your baby behind, having grandma take care of them, take care of it, then, oh, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out and you're going to start doing drugs. And, and the next thing you know, see, see, if the devil told you that and he presented this chain to you, you would say, heck no. Come on. I'm not that stupid. I would never do that. Or if the devil came to you and says, come on, dude, it's okay, man, to vape. Come on, it's vape. Come on, everyone's doing it. It's not, it's not cigarettes. It's not weed. It's just vaping. It's okay, vape. And then you're like, oh, and he goes, oh, and by the way, after you vape, you're going to get so addicted to it that you're going to need it that I'm going to have someone bring you some weed. And then next thing you know, you're going to get hooked on weed and you're going to be hooked on vaping at the same time. And then that's not going to satisfy you. So after you're done with vaping and smoking weed, then I'm going to start bringing some meth towards you, right? And some Oxycontin. And it's okay because the first hit, whew, you're going to be, you're going to be like, whoa, this is way better than vaping and way better than, way better than weed. At the same time, I like this. And, 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 and then, oh, after you fall in love with Oxycontin, then what I'm going to do is that I'm going to get you so addicted that you're just going to start to just do drugs everywhere. And you're, oh, and let me just tell you, at the end of the day, you're going to end up on the streets living in a tent as a drug addict. You would be like devil. <laughs> You're stupid, man. I would never do that. No way. This is why he never presents you a chain. Because he knows you're smart enough to say, I won't do it. So instead of presenting you a chain, what he presents you is a choice. This is what he presents you. So he says, oh, yeah, come on. Sex, everyone's doing that. Oh, go ahead. And you're like, yeah. Oh, by the way, look at getting angry and staying angry. It's fine. 
Stay angry. Have sex. Give your body. Matter of fact, give it to a couple of people. Oh, and then drugs? Who's not doing drugs? We all, I mean, hey, look, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about that, okay? You, you, you're having sex. You're, you're, you, oh, and then, oh, yeah, I know, I know your dad walked out. I know your family's dysfunctional. Every family's dysfunctional. Matter of fact, be so mad at your mom and be so mad at your dad. You might as well just have, you might as well just be mad at everybody. And, oh, by the way, yeah, you know, you are depressed. And you do have anxiety. It's okay because guess what? All your friends have anxiety and all your friends are depressed because they're doing sex. They're out there giving their bodies. They're sexting. Guess what, man? They're cutting themselves. They're having, oh, and suicidal thoughts. Who doesn't have suicidal thoughts? I mean, we all have suicidal thoughts, right? And so, and so, so, so the devil understands, right? Here's what he understands. He understands that, that, that you will never fall for this. You never will. Because you would tell him, man, come on, you're crazy. But he's smart enough to know he can get you to create your own. Yeah. 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 So why, why present this when I'll just have you do it yourself? And, um, and then guess what? You're not going to have no one to blame because no one put a gun to your head. It all started with a choice. So he's good enough to not present you a chain, but he's clever enough to present you a choice. And so Jesus says, oh, you want to play that game? I'll beat you at it. Because here's what I'll do. I'll present them a choice. Hey, give me that sexual lifestyle and turn it into purity and I'll forgive you. Oh, and by the way, I don't care if you've done drugs. My grace is sufficient. My mercies endure forever. Just open up your heart and come to me. And he says, come. Hey. Your dad walked out on you. Your family's dysfunctional. Well, let me heal you first so that you can go out and heal your family. Come on, I'll make sure that happens. And oh, by the way, don't walk around in shame. Walk with your head up because you're my child and you're still the apple of my eyes. You don't have that. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter if friends turn their back on you. I'm a brother. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll go with you in the highways. I'll go with you in the byways. I'll go with you in the valley. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And oh, by the way, your broken heart, your broken heart, give it to me. I'm a heart specialist. I know how to take broken hearts. And then you give God your broken heart and you realize no longer I'm in chains no more because the same choices that made the chain will be the same choices you make to break the chains tonight because you can be set free by the power of God and that's the way God works. It's the way He works. Come on, stand to your feet. Tonight you're here. I know you are. 
I've been up early this morning. Yesterday, I was all alone in my house. I had no, no meetings in the afternoon, and I dedicated two and a half, three hours of sitting in my prayer room praying for this moment. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of change in this place, and there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of shame, and I feel the Spirit of God. There's so much shame in this place. And there's some of you that have made some mistakes that you haven't told anybody. And you've been, it's almost like as if you feel trapped because you're, you, you think one day you're gonna get caught or someone's gonna find out, your parents may find out, someone may find out, and you're living like this deceptive lie and you just don't know how to break out of that prison. Spirit's here tonight. Say, no, 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 I'm not going to shame you. That shame that you feel on the inside, I'm not going to shame you if you'll just give it to me tonight. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, what you did maybe was wrong. But that's not how I define you. My loving arms are here. Here's what I feel in this place, and this is what I felt, Pastor. Some of you need to feel the love of God like you never had before. You have been the one to initiate love. God, I love you. God, I love you. And God says, time out. This moment that we're about to have is not about you telling me how much you love me. Will you just allow me to love you? Can I put my arms around you and just love you tonight? It's what I want. Because God tonight wants to open up your heart. And then what he's going to do, he's going to close it and seal it with his Holy Spirit. You're no longer going to have to walk around with luggage anymore because every chain and every disorder has been broken tonight in the name of Jesus. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.